We are not alternative anymore. It's a quickly evolving industry. And of course, amazing opportunities. We look at the industry and its topics. Things are changing very quickly. What is that market setup going to look like? It's very much about charging experience. Going to much more mature business. And, of course, new revenue streams. Those companies will either have to improve or they'll just die. This is the Electric Avenue Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Electric Avenue podcast about the rapidly growing world of electric vehicle charging. I'm your host, Aaron Fishbone, Public Policy Director of Greenway, based in Bratislava, Slovakia. Today, as we're recording this, it's March 8th, 2022, International Women's Day. It's also the 12th day of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. The heroism and fortitude of the Ukrainian people notwithstanding, what's happening is appalling and devastating. Russian army is destroying cities and killing civilians, and there are now reportedly over 2 million refugees. This is all happening right next door where I'm based in Slovakia, and where Greenway works, both here and in Poland. We work with a number of e-mobility companies in Ukraine, and we have Ukrainian clients, not to mention friends, families, people vacation in Ukraine, and vice versa. So the situation is devastating for us as well. It's also really sad to see because e-mobility has been rapidly growing in Ukraine over the past few years. Now this. One of our closest partners in Ukraine is the e-mobility platform GoToYou. And its co-founder and COO, Yubov Artemenko, has been a past guest on this podcast. And now she has this to share with us and with you. Hi, Aaron. Thank you very much for having me today. GoToYou is an international platform which has a large customer base in Ukraine. Ukraine is a fast-growing market in terms of number of electric vehicles and EV charging infrastructure. But as you already know, Russia has launched a full-scale war in Ukraine. The world already condemns the breach of Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity. Russia is violating international law and endangering the rule-based world order. For a part of our team who are currently in Ukraine, the scope of the tragedy is beyond imaginable. Hundreds of civilians lost their lives. Thousands are injured. Millions are impacted. Of course, the war halted a number of infrastructure projects that were under development there. Despite the tragic war, GoToYou continues supporting EV charging services to all customers in Ukraine. The charging was made free in a number of cities because this is very important to all citizens and especially volunteers who deliver humanitarian aid. With our support, they can continue using EVs without a need to rely on fossil fuels. And GoToYou is not alone. We are so proud to see the involvement of international community, companies that stand hand in hand with Ukrainian people. We stand together, we stand with Ukraine to bring peace, restore security and stability of the region. Looking into the future, Ukraine will need a massive support to restore its economy. Investments will be needed in the renewable energy supply and key enabling infrastructure. I believe that Ukraine's national policies will focus on long-term strategies 
with a zero-carbon goal. Its economic and energy policies will be aligned with climate policies. But I also hope that Europe will take decisive steps to decrease its dependency on imports of Russian gas, oil and coal. It is a high time to accelerate the development of renewables, as currently Europe buys almost 40% of its natural gas from Russia. GoToEU will continue its work to help facilitate the transition to sustainable mobility in Ukraine and Europe. Our team believes that Ukraine will prevail, becoming stronger when this war ends. Thank you, Lyubov, for taking the time to share that with us and for all that you're doing. The whole situation is just so awful. Many friends and colleagues here in Slovakia and other regional countries are responding individually. So one thing that Greenway as a company has done and is still doing is to allow recharging for free for people leaving Ukraine in their electric vehicle or for people who are in Slovakia or Poland and they're delivering goods to the border or going to the border to pick up people and bring them into country. Those people can all recharge for free. So far, we've had over 70 Ukrainian drivers charged as they've left Ukraine, and over 90 people from Slovakia or Poland who've used the service to bring goods to the border or people from the border. And awful as it is that this is even needed, it's really been heartening to be a part of the response in this way. And I know there's other e-mobility companies out there that are doing the same or similar things. So for whoever is out there who needs to hear this, it's been noteworthy to see electric vehicles used in this way. They really are becoming all-purpose vehicles. They're not just for urban use or holidays. So now we turn to our main topic of this episode, which we recorded and planned before the invasion started. Insights from leading electric vehicle charging companies based in Central and Eastern Europe. Late last year, the Central and Eastern European Green Transport Initiative held its first in-person summit as a part of the new mobility summit hosted by the Polish Alternative Fuels Association in Łódź, Poland. The Green Transport Initiative is a platform bringing together e-mobility champions from throughout CEE. As members, Peter and I were there to participate. We had a lot of really great discussions about issues in EV charging in the region. And you know, no surprise, there are, of course, differences in different countries and between different networks. But honestly, there's even more similarities between our market experiences and the challenges that you know, especially charge point operators are facing in different countries throughout the region. We want to share the discussion with you because it's so interesting and informative. So we've edited the full panel to provide you some of the most interesting insights and discussions. This will be a very informal session because we want discussion, discussion between... Without uh, further ado, here is that panel, moderated by the president of the Slovak Electric Vehicle Association, Patrick Kurzanski. So let me introduce these panelists. Peter Badik from Greenway. Uh, actually, Peter founded Greenway 10 years ago, and uh, he's been in operation in Poland and Slovakia. Peter Nikolov, uh, who is from Ampeco. Uh, Ampeco is Bulgarian software developer and an operator. Rok Poteko, who's uh, from Slovenia, is uh, Etrel, uh, which is actually, the, again, backend and also some kind of advanced uh, management, smart charging. Maybe we will raise this issue later. Dino Novosel, uh, who is from uh, Croatia. Uh, he's from Croatian Telecom. 
Croatian Telecom has actually develops and deploys infrastructure in Croatia and Alexandru Todorescu from uh, Renovatio. Renovatio is actually a charging infra infrastructure uh, operator, and actually deploying the chargers in Romania. Gentlemen, let me ask you from your perspective of, as uh, charging station operators and uh, backend system uh, developers, what is the biggest challenge? Why we are not seeing the same kind of EV market uptake as in the West? From my perspective, Speaking now is Peter Nikolov, inbound sales team lead from Ampeco. When we're talking about infrastructure or when we're talking about electric vehicles, um, it's always very important to consider the GDP per capita with regards to the Eastern European markets. And I think that's probably the biggest barrier for us to catch up to the West is just because if we look into the automotive fleet, generally speaking, Eastern Europe has much higher age than the Western markets. And the reason for that is just people much less likely to purchase electric vehicles. And so one of the things that is preventing us from increasing this and improving this, I think is generally trying to think about the markets in a more decentralized manner, and also how do we spur and scale innovation. And so for me, and from my perspective, with regards to Ampeco, it's always been looking at the different markets and comparing West to the East, um, it's just in the West, there's much more competition, um, much bigger players as well, and also much higher purchasing power. And so those are the aspects and the areas we need to look into. I think we always should start at looking at the GDP per capita and how do we improve that. We, we are from Material, just to add an additional thing. Speaking now is Rock Poteco. Not only that we are a software system provider, but we are also AC charging station manufacturer. But yeah, how we see also this, that basically where are the biggest deployments currently of the infrastructure and also where the EV uptake is currently happening is also in the countries where it is promoted more and more also by the government and by the different policies. And there we see the infrastructure and the, and the sales of the EVs are really uh, coming to the higher numbers. And this is, of course, also impacted by the, by the quotas of EVs that are also delivered to the different countries. And here, yeah, we see a bit of a delay in the, in the CAE region. But of course, also here, different packages are prepared by the government. Uh, what we can say in Slovenia, uh, this is already quite good developed. Uh, we have now, I think, a little less than 5,000 electric cars on the market with roughly 1,100 uh, public charging charge points available. Uh, but yeah, we already see that this is impacted heavily by the government intentions and also by the, by the subsidies that the government is giving. When we speak about charging infrastructure, uh, I just researched uh, an ASEA, the Brussels-based automotive uh, European Automotive Association, actually did a little analysis. And when we look at the penetration of the charging stations in Europe per 100 kilometers, the top five performers are uh, from the West, Netherlands, Luxembourg, Germany, Portugal, and Aust Austria. And the penetration of chargers per 100 kilometers is at 6.1 up to 47.5, okay? So each, practically the, the best performer has two chargers per each 100 kilometers. On the other side, the worst performers are uh, in the East. We have five countries. I think Romania is the worst one. It's 0 0.2 per 100 kilometers. And let's let's talk talk about why. Okay, we know that we are not as rich as, as the West. Let's talk about targets. Where do you see the targets in terms of, uh, you know, European uh, regulation, the EU, and which use cases do you think that in our countries should be stressed or promoted? And by use cases, I mean highway, urban, 
workplace. And particularly interesting to me is which uh, use cases should be financed by the public money. Electric vehicles are a kind of cultural fit. Speaking now is Dino Novosel, the Director of Strategy and Sustainability at E.ON Croatia. So what we see in countries that uh, are more conscious about uh, environment preservance, you know, uh, it is becoming kind of a lifestyle, you know, and awareness that, you know, you could really impact, uh, you know, your world around you if you switch to electric mobility, right? And uh, cultural aspirations are not unified across Europe. And there is also, uh, you know, a very uh, huge showstopper and blocker in the mass market uh, adoption and rollout of the infrastructure, simply because, you know, we all know that, um, you know, charging stations needs to be connected, uh, most likely to the grid. And um, grid operations uh, up until a few years ago were treated as national treasures, you know, so it's our, it's Romanian, it's Polish, it's Croatian grid, you know, uh, so it's uh, pretty much uh, national thinking about about, you know, who should be owning, operating those assets. On the other hand side, we have a paradox because we have electric car manufacturers, which are by default global players. So they are producing global products and they don't care, you know, uh, if this car will be sold uh, into particular markets. You know, and then we have a clash because OEMs are now uh, pushing ahead with uh, uh, production of the electric cars. And of course, societies with a greater purchasing power, greater consciousness about the environment, they will be first buyers, first movers into this direction. You know, and on the other hand side, uh, if you have technical constraints to build up the network on a unified pace across uh, Europe, you will be lagging behind uh, with infrastructure. So uh, it's typical chicken and egg problem. So if you don't have an infrastructure, you will not be able to convince your citizens to switch to the electric mobility, right? So, and this is something that is really missing on the Central and Eastern Europe uh, perspective, you know, a harmonized approach, uh, you know, harmonized uh, messages that should be conveyed from the political level down to the operational level. There is no unified approach to electric mobility in the Central Eastern Europe. Let's look at the uh, at the Croatian market. Um, you, along with HEP, are the biggest operators. Yes. Uh, if you look at the at the subsidies which were in place in, mm-hmm. in Croatia some time ago, which kind of use cases or which kind of chargers or charging infrastructure would you like to see in the eligible hardware or mm-hmm. use cases? from the public money and which which kind of you don't care about because you think that you can do it uh, by yourself because of you know making regular business with them there is no one size fits all uh, there are many different business models that are currently being deployed not only in croatia but also across uh, other different markets uh, but you know you need to start start from somewhere you need to build up uh, some uh, anchors of the infrastructure you need to follow some you know, rules like 50, 60 kilometers, uh, every 50, 60 kilometers, you should have at least one fast charging stations. And then you might have some destination chargers at those locations where you expect that demand will be coming. You know, in Croatia, we have a lot of tourists coming during the summer season. So we are experiencing the impact to our uh, charging network uh, demand, you know, that's going up to 80% uh, compared to the sum, you know, of uh, of uh, season months. So you need to be very, uh, you know, creative in designing the infrastructure that will be sufficient for some high season peaks on one hand side, and that will be supporting and encouraging other market participants to step into this market development arena. Tell me, Alexandru, why Romania is not so much developed in terms of the infrastructure? Because you actually have um, a very, very good success with the 
in our funded projects, right? So, uh, I mean, you and E.ON Romania actually received uh, even uh, funding from from, the, from Brussels to start the, the major infrastructure, the, the you know, the 10T infrastructure on highways. Why is it so that actually Romania is not closer to, to the Netherlands? Where would you like to see the public money going so that the, the infrastructure is better promoted? Well, I do have a problem with that uh, ranking. Speaking now is Alexandru Teodorescu, managing partner at Renovatio Mobility eCharge. We are last, according to that, we're also last at the number of uh, kilometers of highway that it's being constructed in, uh, in Romania. We are a very large country. If you compare Romania to the Netherlands, I think we are three times or something than uh, Netherlands. Right now in Romania, we are uh, at the end of the year, we will be close to 10,000 EVs registered in the in the market. We have one of the best uh, incentive schemes in Europe. So you get close to 10,000 euros for the purchase of a new of a new EV. So uh, we're looking at almost doubling the number of EVs that were on the market at the, at the end of uh, 2020. On the infrastructure side, we are at uh, close to 1,500 public available chargers. Most of them are with about a third, I would say, fast uh, fast chargers. Yes, all of them are have been installed mainly within the major cities. And uh, from there, it grew organically on the on the transit routes that people uh, most often use. Yes, with the help of uh, the European Union, we have together with uh, Telecom, we had a co-finance project from uh, from Chef Transport. Same program where uh, Next A was uh, also deployed in Romania uh, from Mall and uh, Mall and Eon. So between our two projects uh, in Romania. There were in the last three uh, three years 110 uh, fast charging stations to be to be deployed. The problem was that there were certain corridors where you can deploy these uh, these chargers, which were the core network corridor of the of the 10T network. So we were not allowed to deviate from those corridors. Now with the new call, there are more uh, more roads, and we will prepare a new project for the coming years where we will target more transit corridors. The major constraint is the the availability of uh, locations, of power for these locations. And the uh, now we're not going to talk about 50 kilowatt charges anymore. We're going to go to 150, 350. So the power becomes an issue. Peter, you actually are active in Poland and uh, not only as the charging infrastructure, but you, Greenway is actually, actually very active also in uh, lobbying uh, in Brussels. Right, and uh, with Charge Up Europe, you actually created an organization which directly is working as the as the lobbying uh, organization in Brussels. And you're right right now actually working on on Afir, right? Afir, this is the alternative fuel infrastructure regulation. Afir actually suggested that we would have the target at one kilowatt of power per one car. What do you think about this? Is this sufficient? 
We need to admit that the development of uh, electric mobility in different parts of the Europe is a different. Speaking now is Peter Badik, co-founder and managing partner of Greenway. Uh, you mentioned that uh, there is certain ranking of the countries uh, in terms of the number of charges deployed, and uh, the C is uh, is at the end of this ranking. Uh, there is as well another ranking which is uh, saying how much, or another number, which is saying how much of the char- public charging infrastructure is deployed per one battery electric vehicle and that specific countries. And uh, actually this uh, that's really heavily used the ratio which says one uh, how many kilowatt of public power so we, we do not count the specific challenges but we, we count the power of the publicly installed infrastructure to the number of electric vehicle this the ratio is typically around two or three kilowatt per battery electric vehicle in uh, most developed countries in terms of the electric mobility in countries of our region, this ratio is much higher. In, in, if we calculate it for Poland, uh, to be uh, somewhere around 8, in the case of Slovakia, to be something around 10. It basically means that in terms of the investment and number of charges or power of the charges which are installed on the public places, we have very well, robust charging infrastructure. Obviously, it's rather saying the, the through about the, the cars. Uh, and, and you ask what could be changed and how, how, what is the bottleneck? And so I really want to stress again that the number of electric vehicles in our region is the most critical bottleneck for the development of the electric mobility and, uh, and the charging business. If you go back 100 years, it was not like that, that there was every, everywhere first the, the uh, gas stations and then the Ford came with this Model T and started to build cars. And the gas stations were waiting for him. Uh, it was the other way around. First we uh, had the cars and then uh, they created the demand for sophisticated infrastructure. Uh, in a certain extent, this is this is uh, as well needs to repeat here. We need to have the first cars, and then the infrastructure could be built. So that that is the first bottleneck that needs to be mentioned all the time. Because if we if we want to really change something, we will need to start with with this uh, first aspect, and that there is a role for uh, both for public uh, sector for governments, for subsidies, but as well for the work of OEMs. Uh, and as well, it's a work for policymakers to set up the conditions or set up the rules in a way which will favor this region in a rollout of electric cars. As you mentioned, we are quite active in Brussels. We always want to mention that because of the, the discrepancy between the development of electric mobility in different parts of Europe, we need to set up the conditions in a way which will favor this part of the Europe so we can we can catch up the train which is already running. So that's one one angle. Another angle, if we talk about the numbers, it's, it's a bit tricky in this respect because you uh, have to look always a little bit deeper. In in our parts of the Europe, we are actually deploying uh, very sophisticated, very expensive technology. Proportionally, in the Western Europe, uh, there are much larger a larger number of uh, AC charges. Reason is usually lies in the cities, and uh, the involvement of the cities in the Western Europe in the rollout of charging infrastructure is much, much higher and, and stronger than in Eastern Europe. Uh, it, it translates into very high numbers of charging points, usually AC charges, which you can find in the city, big cities like Paris, Amsterdam, um, Berlin, many others. So if you ask me for a second thing which could be done and should be done and improve the number of charging infrastructure in part of our part of the Europe, 
That would be the engagement of cities. And then the last thing is the obviously the investment. Actually, all the investment which we were able to to activate. In our case, for example, we were uh, able to to reach to the EIB for financing. It's still very low, comparable to the no, to the volumes of investment which we need to deploy. Comparable to the volumes of investment which is being deployed at this moment in Western Europe, the investment amounts are extremely extremely low. So we need to come to uh, not not millions, not the 10 millions. We need to come to hundreds of millions, and we need to build the companies which will be able and strong enough to handle such an investment with public support, with support of CEF funding, with support of the uh, of the uh, of the EIB and similar banks. But we need to be able to deploy hundreds of million euro because CE countries is a home of 60 million people. It's not a small piece of cake. My obvious question would be, what is the challenge to be faster? Which areas are the most critical ones for the rollout? If, if you allow me, Patrick. Speaking now is Peter Nikolov, inbound sales team lead from Ampeco. Before we get into the, the challenges themselves, I would definitely love to cover something that I think is very important. Um, a lot of attention is going towards that high-speed DC charging infrastructure, um, and everybody talks about it. It is indeed very difficult and expensive to roll out, but I think a very important way to think about EVs in general is they are a smartphone on wheels, and you don't go to the supermarket to charge your smartphone, you charge it at home overnight. And this is the same way that we should be thinking about EVs, is it charging at home or basically the place where you park your car at night. And so that's where a lot of the focus, I think, should be coming from municipalities and policymakers to make sure that it happens. And so, Peter, when you were talking about a lot of the ACs uh, that are rolled out in Western, um, you know, the, in the Western markets or in cities, and cities play an important role, I think that should be the same thing that we need to do in Eastern Europe. Because as you know, most of our population doesn't live in single family homes. Most of our population lives in apartment complexes uh, and buildings that don't necessarily give everybody the chance to have their own parking space. And so uh, the most of the parking spaces, for example, in Bulgaria, are owned by the government and municipalities, right? And so people are gonna be parking their cars there. And it's not very easy for you, yourself, when you buy an EV to set up your charger. You have to go through a very serious process um, that takes a lot of steps to get to set up a charger there. And in many cases, you might be blocked, right? Because a certain neighbor doesn't want that to happen. And so there's a lot of barriers for, for that type of charging. And generally at Ampeco, uh, because we are a software company, we, we see many different use cases all over the world. And we think based on our experience and our knowledge and, and the data that we have so far is that charging at home, charging overnight is going to be 90% of the experience that people have. And so that's where we should be focusing. I definitely agree, but coming back to my question, I will actually provoke uh, a little bit because from my data here, the process of permitting and connecting of uh, charging infrastructure is the bottleneck. And if I look at uh, six CE countries, Hungary is the, the worst performer where grid connection could take up to 545 days up to when you are connected with the charger. So it's actually almost two years, right? One and a half. Uh, Czech Republic, it can take 540 days to up to the point where you are connected. I don't have data for Romania, but I've got data for Croatia. You are pretty good with the grid connection, although you're not doing well, very well with permitting. It can take like um, 150 days to get the permit. So 
coming to my original question, what are the challenges? Uh, from our experience, to give you an, uh, an example. Speaking now is Alexandru Teodorescu. In one of the locations we've been in the connection contract, it was stated 300 days, from uh, which included permitting, uh, design and everything, up to the point where I could uh, come with my trafo station and connect my uh, chargers. But yes, you're right, regulatory, it's the main bottleneck. And the um, first thing would be to push the authorities for a straightforward and simplified uh, permitting process but at the same time a simplified connection uh, connection process right now in order to get a permit for for connection i need to first to start the permitting procedure for the construction uh, so it takes me three months up to the point where i can go and submit a request for the power maybe if i can make a additional comment uh... speaking now is dino novacell uh, i believe that everything starts with a country ambition you know what we want to do with this uh, thing called electromobility is quite cross-sectoral heterogeneous you have to speak with many different stakeholders that are governed by different ministries. So it means you need to have a single point of contact within the government uh, who will be establishing a really task force who will then go further uh, down into, into deep diving of the operational problems we are facing because some of those problems are similar uh, across different markets, but uh, you know there are also some country-specific uh, problems. I always preach, uh, and I'm very uh, happy for, for Poland, because uh, you guys had an excellent establishment who anticipated the complexity of, of this emerging industry. And uh, in my humble opinion, I think that Polish law on electromobility, it's perfectly written. When you read, go through this law, you perfectly see that this law has been written in, in a tight cooperation with with uh, operational developers of the systems because you are really touching uh, the, the, the key points of, of the system in place. Uh, we have some other great examples like Lithuanian uh, recently adopted uh, law, Greek law, you know, and you will not find, for instance, in Croatia uh, that you have relevant people in the state who understand the level of complexity we are facing and where they should uh, go for the law amendments. We don't have the, the Polish representative, although Greenway is very active in Poland. I think you are the biggest operator, right? Maybe, Peter, you, you, you have yeah, a yeah. comment on Polish Polish market. I'm very happy. We are at the end Polish company, to be in fact. Speaking now is Peter Badik. You're asking what is the, the, the challenge. I think the, the, the very principal challenge is uh, it, would, it goes that it is a lack of imagination, which relates to and, and leads to the lack of uh, ambitions and it leads to a lack of actions. I think uh, it's for many people still very hard to imagine how important and structural the change uh, the electromobility really is and how many aspects is, uh, it's touching. And it's, as, as Dino said, it's really not one thing, single thing. It's not only about selling cars in a dealership. It's not only about the putting charger. It's at the end about a number of people on the city hall which are able to think about the rollout of charging infrastructure. It's about people in uh, DSOs, processes in DSOs and so on and so forth. Uh, so therefore, the, you know, the first thing that needs to start is the local representatives needs to understand the scale of the challenge which we are facing and a huge scope of the activities which needs to be changed. And then we need to have ambitions to do it. Uh, they need to be somewhat who, who basically say that, uh, that that is something which is uh, on the agenda and and, and and fight for it and then translate these things into the action. So I think we are as a as a part of the Europe very right to 
uh, go to the Brussels and say that, help us with that and prepare the conditions, set the uh, rules, set the targets, set the limits in a way that it will favor the, the CE countries. But on the other side, it's not a one-way street. We need to give something in the bag. We need to be ready. And I think it's coming with, uh, with the first important thing for uh, the first challenge is to have a leadership. So to have someone in the political representation who will, in every country, fight for the elective mobility. In the same way as we were able to find here in Poland, Representative uh, Vice Minister Kurtika, who fight for, the, for this topic, who created the department. The department is still active and still uh, delivering and, uh, and, and, and listening to the industry and delivering the changes elective mobility law. The elective mobility law we helped to prepare back in 2017. Now we are discussing already the, another improvement. So this leadership is absolutely necessary. We need to create a legal framework, which could be created only if we have a leadership. And it has to be translated at the end to the regulation. So it has to go to the regulation, not only the laws, but for example, regulatory office, DSOs, the rules for a connection of the charges. This is everything, this is a pyramid which needs to work. So if we want one side going and saying, hey, Brussels, we need to uh, bridge the gap, that it is to be on our side, someone who is, is willing to, to bridge this gap from our side and to help, this, to, to, to help to build this bridge. So uh, I think that's the role of the industry. Coming back to the, to the point from Dino, would you agree that the, the Polish electromobility law is a, is a masterpiece which we should follow in the CE region? Yeah, Polish electromobility law is, I think, the most elaborated legislation in Central and Eastern Europe when it comes to electromobility. It has all flaws, but it, has many, it brings many things, many good things. Uh, I, what I like on, the, on this approach is that there was something, maybe it was not super perfect, maybe we need to uh, still ongoingly change some things, but it was, it was implemented and, uh, uh, and I think it created a very good framework for development of the electric mobility. In my case, in case of Greenway especially, we are, we are looking on the part which touched the development of charging infrastructure. Every charger in Poland has to be intelligent, has to be connected, has to have a CPO, uh, has to be reviewed by the by the organization which which makes sure that the charging point is safe that the, the documentation is proper that the the charger is visible for for the drivers on, on online so i think it's set very high bar to the, the the charging infrastructure in the country which gives us well companies like us certain i would say good framework to operate yeah? so therefore we are then able to invest therefore we are able to grow we are able to attract the capital we are able to attract public funding because we work in predictable environment uh, what you have in, Por uh, in poland uh, sets the the ground for further further improvement speaking now is alexandru teodorescu in our case in romania as i said uh, electric mobility is not even uh, defined in any legislation uh, i cannot get uh, i don't know a parking benefit for an electric car because the electric car is not defined in the in the legislation i cannot even in a private uh, shopping center, I cannot say this spot is reserved for an electric car like are the ones for the persons with disabilities. So, and to call the police and uh, give them a fine if they uh, if they park there, if a normal car parks there. So first we need to define what we want and then to put it in a, in a very clear set of, uh, set of rules, which in my case in Romania lacks completely. What is one 
top priority that we should uh, push for as the CEE Green Transport Initiative. Make two calls, one to the Brussels saying that the CEE is lagging behind and it's not good for anybody and therefore we need the measures which will overcome that. And second call to the local governments and ask them for the leadership. I would say from a regulatory perspective, we definitely need to think about frameworks. Speaking now is Peter Nikolov. And as Pete said, we need to, to have ambition and vision. I, I also think we need to always think about scale. We have to think about how fastly can companies actually execute on this and are there bottlenecks that we're creating with regulation that are going to be preventing them from being able to do so? Because sometimes we're, we're thinking about adding a new law that will help out or incentivize and in a year or so, it appears that it actually makes people be slower and companies slower. So that's always in, in the back of our minds. We have to be thinking about scale. This is not just tens of thousands of chargers, potentially millions of chargers across our whole region. Rock, what is your one thought? Electric cars are huge consumers. And if we are talking here about the scale of tens of thousands or even millions of chargers, we really need to take a, a look up ahead and see what this will bring to the complete grid network. So we really need to think in advance and we feel and we believe that there needs to be certain minimum standards specified and regulated from the connectivity point of view from the standards that when the scale is reached that those chargers will also be able to uh, be smart charging controlled and also integrated with the grid operators for the potential demand response so that grid operators can also uh, be secure uh, when the scale of EVs is really huge. It's actually a second uh, line of business for uh, for charging operators. Uh, go ahead, Alex, uh, your last thought. I would say the focus should be also on uh, interoperability within our region. And we're already talking to Peter about how to better serve the, in the end, the customers that are in our region. Very few people are doing what I did across Europe with an electric car, but a lot of them are crossing one or two borders. So having solutions within our region, we don't need the whole, but within our region, having a very good uh, understanding of what the clients want and providing them these uh, mobility solutions uh, and uh, ease of use crossing the borders, I think it's one of the main uh, aspects that would drive everything forward in our in our region. As you can see, though each country has its own characteristics and situation, there are even more similarities across them. It was really enlightening having these highly experienced e-mobility leaders together to identify some of the key priorities we need to focus on to help Central and Eastern Europe develop as rapidly as needed and to quote-unquote catch up with the rest of Europe. And this was all before the radical upending of energy geopolitics that's taking place literally every day and every few hours now in response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Peter and I will discuss that on our next episode, coming next week, in fact. On the panel, in addition to the great discussion about e-mobility, one other thing jumped out. Gentlemen, what I also see as the, my last thought, we need more women uh, in, the, in the industry. Patrick's absolutely correct. There are not enough women in e-mobility, and especially true at the sea level. Even though we just heard from Lyubov earlier in the episode, there's also her sister and co-founder, Lena Artemenko. There's other examples, like former CEO of Allego, Anya Van Niersen, uh, the current head of a New Motion Shell Recharge, Melanie Lane, and, and others, of course. But it's not enough, and they're also often absent from panels like this. We always try to have female voices included, but it's not the case on this panel, obviously, and we'll need to do better. Okay, that's it for today. It was a lot. It was heavy. 
I want to thank the Central and Eastern European Green Transport Initiative convened by the Slovak Electric Vehicle Association and the Polish Alternative Fuels Association for organizing and hosting that panel and very much open for new companies involved in e-mobility interested in joining. I want to thank all the speakers for their insights. And if you want to watch or listen to the full panel, I'll include the link to it uh, in the show description. Did the panelists miss something that you think is essential to the development of e-mobility in Central and Eastern Europe? I'd love to hear what you have to say, so contribute to the debate. You can write to me on LinkedIn, or you can send me an email at aaron.fishbone at greenwaynetwork.com. I want to thank our producer, Katarina Urban-Richterova, and thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back with a brand new episode next week. Until then, this is Aaron Fishbone, hoping for peace in Ukraine as soon as humanly possible. (laughs) 